0: All right, good evening and welcome back to an exciting episode on the Coffee with Craner Show. This is episode 71 and we're talking about leading Windsor's largest labor union. And today I have a special guest here, Dave Cassidy, president of Unifor Local 444, representing 20,000 active and retired members in 31 workplaces across the community. He's also a board member for Hotel Jerry Grace Grace Healthcare, and um, many other great things in the community. He's also a a former referee uh, in NHL, OHL, and uh, other major leagues. And there's there's really so much more. Uh, he's a, he's the uh, the trades uh, chair for you know for a national. Uh, he started right out of um, school going into electrician and then also was hired at Chrysler Windsor and uh, really leveraged his career to where he is today. And I'm so excited to talk about, what it's like working for a labor union, and what it's like in skilled trades. Dave, thanks for being here.
1: Well, thanks, Lyndon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: So I have to drill you, Dave, with my first question. It's the hardest one. Where in Windsor, Essex, is your favorite place to grab a nice cup of Joe?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lyndon, you're setting me up because uh, you know I, I I am a guy that I always put my cups here next to my desk. And then people will see old oh, McDonald's, Tim Hortons, this and that. Uh, and then I get a phone call from, you know, my buddy who owns Tim Hortons in Essex and say, Hey, you have a McDonald's cup on your desk. So <laughs> I like to make sure that I brew my own in my Philadelphia Flyer cup. Um, and I enjoy making my own brew. And uh, that's what I go with the the, the most. But I, I just love black coffee from anywhere, buddy. There you go.
0: And you can disguise it in a cup too. It doesn't have right to be on. just coffee in there. Um, but yeah, next time, just change the mug to uh, Detroit Red Wings and, uh, we'll be all set here.
1: <laughs> well, so I guess, I guess all my, co- my, my mugs. Uh, so when you look at it, my, in my videos, my coffee is, it, it's kind of like coffee neutral then, I guess. So I take the, <laughs> I take the Switzerland on that one, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so,
0: so Dave, just talk to me. I, I know, um, a lot of students, my age, they're unfamiliar. They understand a bit of what a, a labor union is all about. But more specifically at a, a leadership level, what is a role of president really consist of?
1: Well, I mean, listen, there's it consists of I can tell you, um, a lot of no sleep, uh, you know, your blood pressure is up. I mean, it's so important, you know, you, your lot of hours in your office and, and around the job. Um, but but more 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 importantly, like there's a lot of lives that you know uh you know you're responsible for when you go into collective bargaining, you know, with 30 some workplaces that we have here at local Four uh, we're always bargaining collective agreements. Uh, you know, the good part about my job is I have a great team around me. So with our vice presidents and our secretary treasurer in their leadership roles, they get to mentor, you know, chair people and, and stewards and that inside facilities. And that's what our, our roles are is to mentor the people and bring the people up. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it takes, I'll tell you, it takes a certain person in, in here. I mean, it, it you know, in these jobs, because, um, you know, I like, I, you know, you know, I am electrician uh, from the Windsor assembly plant and that's my, you know, my first love. I mean, outside of hockey, what it was, but uh, you know, as I became a licensed electrician and, and worked at Windsor assembly and, and then you get into a role like this, working your way through, I mean, you need to know the auto sector, the gaming sector, healthcare, transportation, because we're well-versed uh, at, at our local. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different issues that come up, you know, especially, you know, we have our retirees and, um, involved in the community. We're very good in the community with community partners. So that's really, I mean, uh, it's, it's not just, Hey, I'm going to run for this position. You know, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot, you know, whether it's, you know, around labor law, around other things, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough job. And, but you know what, um, I I'm blessed and, and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm blessed that I get to, and, you know, and very humbled too, by it, by, you know, having the opportunity to represent the members that I do day in, and day out.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe a bit before, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, your apprenticeship as an electrician, but before, like, I, I guess a little bit after that, before becoming president, you were also a union steward as well.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I I worked my way up the ranks. Uh, you know, in in two thousand and two, I was elected in the Windsor Assembly Plant as a skilled trade steward on the shop floor on the midnight shift, and mm. uh, that's where I started with my career. Yes,
0: and uh, taking a, a step back, uh, just because we touched touched on hockey a little bit, uh, I, I hear you were a referee.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> black and white, and never right. Um, you know, 50% of the time, uh, you know, uh, it's 50% of the time you're wrong. Right. I mean, in, in, in Linden, that's the way it is, but yeah, I, I, uh, I had a great career. Uh, you know, um, I, I would, uh, you know, get up in the mornings on Saturday mornings and, uh, go to the arena and spend the entire day there at the arena. Uh, whether I was coaching the little guy's hockey team or pegging the nets, getting ready or, or refereeing. And I did that for a long time. And then, um, when I was 14, uh, I was, you know, fortunate enough that I was uh, scouted, went to a um, camp, uh, a, a referee camp in Chatham, and they picked me up as a linesman. So at age 14, I started doing lines in college, uh, junior C, junior B, uh, university. And and then I, um, I I went through the system, and then I was hired by the IHL as a linesman. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple years later, in 1980, 89 90 season um i was hired by the nhl as referee and uh i i was a trainee there was 12 of us from canada the us and we traveled around and uh refereed minor uh minor you know pro games and uh i was fortunate enough to do uh 10 games in the nhl uh wow. in the exhibition um and uh you know, actually my first game was in the uh, la forum um the referee i was on standby and the referee was hurt paul stewart he got the Hit his head. You know, moorings didn't come off. Nets didn't come off the moorings easy back in those days. I mean, they were solid pipes, and we never wore helmets back then. So I, I ended. I ended up going in and uh, um, uh, finishing that game off. But um, in 1993, um, the referees were locked out, and um, the the twelve of us were asked to go to a training camp in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, by the NHL because we were going to be replacement uh referees and I had just started at Chrysler 1993 and I said I am not going to go to Indianapolis I am not going to get to the NHL because of a labor dispute uh, I've worked mm-hmm. too hard for this and my integrity was more important than anything so 11 went and one didn't and uh like you know, the like the movie Slap Shot, freaking Chrysler plant, here I come. So <laughs> that's where I ended up at the Chrysler plant. But pretty good career. I, I've really, I've really uh, in, in enjoyed it. You know. So that's my story around hockey, buddy. Did uh, well. First question: Do you miss it? No, I listen. I have. I've put on my skates uh, once. Once since I've retired. I re- I retired in two thousand and two. I put my skates on for a. um, um uh 73s uh they had a um uh alumni game and they asked me to go out and referee that so I found my skates in the basement threw on a jersey and a pair of pants and uh away I went that was a I I don't go on the ice anymore I just you know watch the odd game here and there and uh you know my wife and I have a little business in Essex uh uh, and she trains a lot of uh, hockey players that play and We'll go over and watch the hockey players at the arena because our gym is right in the arena parking lot, and we'll go over and watch the players. But that's about it. The game's really changed since I've been at it. You must
0: be must be critical watching the game. You know, having uh, having that knowledge as a ref.
1: Well, listen, I've I was always the guy that you know I always encourage. I I mean when I watch referees and anybody that goes out there does things like that, uh, you know. The reality is, anybody that puts it on on a jersey or tries to do things like that, as long as they're out there hustling and you know giving it all for the kids that are out there, I never criticize any of them. You know, I just uh, sit back and watch them, and I I'm, I'm always admired by uh, some of the families or the parents once in a while, I guess, that are critiquing. It's interesting listening to them, <laughs> but not not me. I'm always that guy standing by myself.
0: And uh, was the was the experience that uh, you didn't go to that training camp and you stepped back? um over that dispute was that something that i guess triggered you wanting to to take a, a leadership role in a union down the line
1: well no i mean listen um it, you know in 93 uh, i got hired uh, best job ever um the good part when i got fired in 93 the ihl kept me on staff so um you know uh i don't know how old you would have been then uh um, I wasn't even a thought okay okay so in, 90, in, in in 93, so the, the, the Detroit Vipers were, they played at the Palace. And, you know, I was, I, the IHL actually kept me on staff. So I spent 17 years in the minor leagues uh, before I retired in, in, in 2002. And I just, uh, you know, I, I, I continued to referee and I had a great job as electrician on the midnight shift. I'd go in after a Viper game in my suit and uh, come out. After the game, or I mean, after work, I put my coveralls on and after I'd have a track suit there and have my suit in my suit bag leaving. Everybody would see me heading in a little late to work. But, it, you know, I loved my union. I, I just I, I had great benefits. I got great time off. And, it afforded me time to uh, get away and do what I did. And so I had no aspirations of any of that. I really just enjoyed uh, going to work and doing what I did.
0: Mm-hmm. What? What made you want to take that leap though? There must've been, there must've been something that, that really made you want to step up.
1: Yes, there was, <laughs> you know, I'm that guy that uh, I don't sit back. If if I see, um, you know, irregularities, if I see things uh, that, you know, just doesn't pass the smell test, et cetera, I get involved in, in, in 2002 um, what happened was uh, I had a rep and the representative that I had, um, you know, wasn't doing what I thought should be done for the workers and uh instead of sitting back and you know being an armchair quarterback and critiquing and all the other things I said well listen I'm going to try and make a difference so I ran and uh in 2002 my my uh my peers uh elected me and uh I you know knock on wood I've been blessed ever since uh coming right through the rank of I went from uh shop floor steward to the uh, chairperson of the skilled trades uh to uh the national um you know uh president of the national skilled trades in 2008 the secretary treasurer at 444 for 10 years and and since then uh you know um you know my, the, the membership that i represent is is, is uh, elected me as the president uh here at 444 so it's been a wonderful career and and that's what got me started is is you know i just didn't like what was going on so i i thought I'd go get involved in Try and make a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Get involved and, and do something about it, right? Instead of sitting on the on the sidelines. Um, what uh, what would you say would been, you know, since t- thousand and two? What are some like? If you had to pick one moment, I imagine there's many. What is, you know, your your fondest moment, your most proud moments, uh, being with with Unifor local four four four.
1: Well, that's a hard one to lock down. Um, we've done so much good over the years, uh, you know helping people and the organizations and, and, you know, collective bargaining and trying Mm. to, you know, make people's lives better. Um, You know, I think, you know, uh, wow. You know, WSIB, we deal with everything you can think of, you know, if I really had to, one of the proudest one, and and it was a shaky one, you know, you get a little nervous was when we had a labor dispute, um, you know, just, it was at you know uh, January of a couple years ago, and and um, we had a small group of workers. Uh, you know they were AWC workers. They moved cars out of Windsor Assembly Plant, and uh, you know they Chrysler was getting the, the whoever you know AWC was uh, running the company, and Chrysler was outsourcing it to another one. Yet they were our workers, and uh, we weren't letting sixty workers go to some other area and, and, and just be done with us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we, we, uh, we actually formed a blockade there for two weeks. Um, potentially the plant was going to, um, you know, uh, go down because of it. Um, but the facts of the matter are we warned the company, Eight months ahead of time. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's, you know, and, and they continued to move forward. And uh, they had a couple, they took us to court a couple times in them two weeks and lost both times. Um, And then um, I can tell you uh, the, the person in uh, purchasing and procurement no longer works for Stellantis anymore. And uh, that was a proud moment for us at 444. I mean, let's not kid anybody. Uh, it was, it was a little shaky for a couple of weeks, but you know, when you got your team around you and you got your officers with you and you, you know, you feel that strength and you have the support of the membership. Um, that's, that's a really count. So we saved 60 jobs and they're still there at the, uh, and they're still part of our organization. That, that was a pretty proud moment.
0: That That's fantastic. And, and I guess what was a, a factor that led to that success?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think, I think uh, when you look at it, I mean, standing up, standing up like the the, the biggest factor was when you're standing up for workers and workers see that you are standing up for them you know there's some there's some tough things and some tough decisions that labor leaders have to make you know and and i think that the biggest factor was we saw these people losing their jobs we saw them going to be gone you know uh to another company and going to be paid way less, and it just wasn't right. It just, you know, it just wasn't right. And 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 we knew that we had to step in and really get involved, and and we did. And so,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it, it. I can't imagine how tough those those conversations are, and and the the collective bargaining that that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Talk talk to me about that. And when I when I say collective bargaining. Uh, some of my viewers might not know exactly what that is. What is that process like? And I imagine it's a huge component of your job.
1: Well, what happens is, you know, every three years, four years, um, you know, we have a mandate that it's three years. Sometimes it goes to four years if we need to get a deal in in place. Uh, but you know, every three years, uh, members have an opportunity to. Uh, we need. We have an opportunity to move forward with. You know, wages pensions benefits etc with with our members so uh we have a collective agreement and uh you know we we apply for conciliation uh, that's how we always do it uh, and then what happens is um the employer uh we, we we get the um uh proposals back from the the employees uh and everything that they want to look at and then we have our bargaining committees and people from the actual workplaces sit there and 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 um go through it with the employer Try to resolve the issues, uh, but you know um, what happens is there's there's a process with the Ontario Labour Relations Board that you know you you apply for uh, a new board report, which is you know 17 days after we apply for it. I mean, I'm going to, I guess into a little bit too deep, but the reality is we put ourselves in a strike position, or the employer puts us in a lockout. It, it, they can lock us out. So after we, have, we apply for this no board report, 17 days after that, we put ourselves in those positions and we try to line it up by the expiration of that collective agreement. Mm -hmm. So, so we know that April the 3rd, um, we at Caesars Windsor, as we are opening, that will be our deadline that we're, we're, we're working to a deadline or we're working to try and get something uh, prior to that, whatever, whatever that looks like. Right. So our bargaining committee sit down, they go through and they hash it out. And then what happens after we get a tentative agreement, we bring it back to our memberships uh, uh, to, to our membership for ratification. And then, and then the membership ultimately decides whether they accept the collective agreement or not, and they vote on it, and and that's where you know we we always strive to make sure that we're raising expectations for people to get uh, you know to get them them, uh, them mm-hmm. a better quality of life. Sure, absolutely, it, absolutely, that's what it comes down to. They uh, too a too technical there. No, okay. no,
0: no. Well, it's interesting to me, and I I, I guarantee for those watching, it's uh, especially those my age they might not have this knowledge, and it seems to be like there's a, a really strategic process in place in order to to really make sure that it goes into the union's benefit at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, uh, I, I do have a, a couple more questions for you. And, and those watching, I do invite you to uh, to comment your questions. And uh, a completely positive show. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on Dave's career and uh, all the great things he's doing at Unifor Local 444. Um, my next question is, Uh, What are what are some difficulties that unions are faced with when really trying to act as that intermediary between uh, employees and business? We talked a little bit about it, but what are some some difficulties that people might not know that you face?
1: Well, another great question. Uh, Listen, um, Lyndon, one of one of the things in today's society that's tough for us um, is social media and rumors. Um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not always, you can't control the narrative these days because people can just sit there and type away and say what they want. There's never a repercussion and it's almost like you're chasing what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so as we're trying to put our position in place and, and, and know where we're at, well, somebody might just want to spew something just because they spew it. Right. Cause that's what they love and they love to do that. And then we're chasing you know the fact that that's not true so yeah and then i'm thinking to myself why are we doing this why are we having to always combat uh you know these people who just love to see you know turmoil um so that is a real tough one is the social media and the rumors that are out there where people can just think they can do what they want but but you know and this virus truly has made everything difficult you know mm-hmm. um you know, a lot of companies are trying to reduce costs, and listen, it's there's a correlation there, right? I mean, if you're coming back and you haven't, you know, um, if you're really struggling, you know, and you're trying uh, to move forward as a company, the correlation is, you know, they make money, we make money. I mean, that's always been our, you know, where, where we're at, but but it, you know, when they're not, and it, it makes it a little tougher, right? I mean, a lot of the places that we represent, uh, didn't weren't hit hard. You know, there were essential workers. However, you know, we can go right down to the casino where we're at first to close last to open all the restrictions in place for all that, you know, so, so it makes a lot tougher. We still have a thousand workers that haven't returned to work back to the casino yet, you know, be it whether, you know, we have, you know, we're down, we only have maybe 30, 35% of our business, you know, that we've had from before because of the border and other things, maybe people don't have the kind of money to be able to spend there because, they haven't worked in so long. So, so it it makes it, it, you know, it makes it real tough when your work the workers and your your our members are looking for raises and gains and we're trying to, where's that sweet spot? Right. Yeah. And that's always the that's that's the that's really the the juggling, you know, that you do as you go in into there. But ultimately, always the membership has the say. Final say is always with the membership.
0: All right. So I'm just looking at a few comments here. All right. So there, there's a question here. Um, there's always trolls out there, but do you find, I guess, social media sometimes holds organizations and people accountable in different, in different ways?
1: Oh, you know, like, um, thanks for that question, Brenda, because, um, uh, you know that I am uh, very active on uh, social media. Um, I try to, uh, you know, uh, make sure that I tell people uh, the news that's going on. Um, unfortunately, over the last uh, few weeks, I haven't done like I do. I used to do a video every single week. Uh, yes. Yep. Where, I did a video every week and try to keep people up to speed on what's going on. Um, but just because of the things that have been going on for the last little bit, it it hasn't been you know uh, uh, a video every week. And and people you know would send me messages and say um, you know you know thanks Dave for the update things like that. Um, so so we control the narrative with some of them people, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I mean, yours is a positive show too. I'm sure that you know me being on here, you might have some negative. Uh, people that are making comments and I, I'm used to it you know when you're in yeah. the public I'm used to those things uh maybe thick skin from refereeing right but uh, <laughs> uh no but but Brenda's right I mean uh you know there there is trolls out there and I I, I think um you know our members expect a lot from us it's not yep. the days of uh old where you know they would put a leaflet on the floor and discuss you know we can do it in a snap of a finger and send it out social media wise. But one thing that our members need to continue to remember is when we're in bargaining and we're going through the issues, we are not going to be expressing it as we're, you know, on our positions or where we're at. And and, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think that gets frustrating for our membership.
0: Yeah, it's difficult. You have to have a, a balance and, and sometimes social media is to your benefit. Sometimes it's not. Um, so yeah, I appreciate the, the, the question, Brenda, and, you know, asking, you know, the other side of the, of the coin here, uh, just, just fast forwarding to, uh, skilled trades and, uh, you were heavily involved with it. I, I just want to talk about this region and skilled trades is available in, in Windsor Essex. Where do you see, uh, from a union perspective, the most opportunity for, for young people and students really entering
1: their, their career? Well, listen, thank you for that question because, uh, yeah, I am very passionate for skill trades being our national president of Skill trades council. Um, you know um, the one thing that I think is still a barrier, but it's getting much better is parents. Um, you know, people forget that there's three types of education, right? There's university, there's college, and there's apprenticeship. Um, and I can tell you when you go into an apprenticeship, um, you're not coming out with a debt. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not like you're going to an intern and you know you're free intern working there. Um, when you go into an apprenticeship, uh, you might go on unemployment if your boss doesn't pay when you go to trade school uh, for that amount of time. But you go out, you work, you go to trade school at Saint Clair. You you know you work, you go to trade school. If you're in you know maybe the IBW, you would go to night school or what other, other, uh, you know, the, in the building trades. Um, But it is, it is a hundred percent great opportunities for people. Um, They continue to talk about um, shortage of skilled trades, but, but what we really got to focus on is the fact that we need to make sure that employers are employing these people and, and not just employing them for cheap labor. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember, you start at sixty percent as an apprentice and go through, and then they never finish them. The problem the government did in the government of the day is they give the employers the money up front for the apprentices and they never finish them. So they just bring on another apprentice, another apprentice. So, so it's important that you know the employers bring on the apprentices as well and 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 teach them that way. But I can tell you, um, if you really want to. Uh, excel and move forward in skilled trades. There's going to be a ton of work in skilled trades moving forward. And there is today, by the way, there is today. We just got to make sure that we got the employers and give them the incentives to bring on the skilled trades, to learn, to learn the different skills.
0: Is there a specific area in Windsor that you, uh, a sector of, of skilled trades that offers the most jobs that you would say?
1: Well, um, You know, the tool and die is, they offer a lot in, you know, in in the tool and die industry. They do offer a lot. I mean, and I don't, I mean, you know, when you look at, I'm an electrician, so I'm a little biased and, you know, uh, us, us trades, we have our internal jokes and we pick on (laughs) other trades. And if there's any millwrights on here, they would know that the joke that an electrician says to a millwright, it says, you know what you call a millwright? And they say, what do you call a millwright? Well, a millwright's a farmer without land. And that's your whole apprenticeship. So that's kind of the you know the, the jokes that we do in here. But when you look at when you look at the opportunities uh, for um, the skilled trades, and I, and I think um, I'm I'm really trying to. Uh, oh, that's my time. <laughs> hey, he looks- you're flashing something there, and I—you I, flashed something before, and it, so my daughter Mackenzie—is that my one my one viewer here? Is Mackenzie? Uh, no, uh, we had
0: it. We actually had a comment come in from Paul Leecha. Said you were the uh, best cap changer in your day.
1: Oh, Paul Leecha, yeah, he used to be my boss at uh, Chrysler. I used to uh, change the weld tips back in the body shop. I was pretty good at that, uh, you know. And it's too bad that I had to get up and change them every once in a while, you know. But we wanted the quality of the vehicle, so. Uh, thanks, Paul. I hope you're doing well, my friend. Um, um, but back to, you know, where we would go in the skill trades, there's any trade, there's a great opportunity. Um, you know, wherever, I mean, tool and die around here is very big. I think, um, you know, moving forward, uh, I've said it, uh, you know, we're always the automotive capital of Canada, as we've always said, and people are talking about now, you know, that, um, that we're looking at new tech, stuff, whether it be through 3G, excuse me, 5G, 3G, geez, I'm dating myself, 5G, uh you know, cybersecurity, all of that kind of stuff on the tech, on the tech end of it for the batteries. um Like, let's, let's be honest. Tell me somebody that knows about lithium batteries. There's a lot of people out there that are learning it. It's, mm-hmm. new, you know, to us, it's new technology, but that's the way that the automotive sector is going. And I think that the rest of the you know, the, the the rest of the country will be moving that, that way as we move forward. So a lot of those jobs, there should be a lot of opportunities. Uh, the energy sector is another, another great uh, opportunity for people um, to get into the energy sector part of it, whether you're a stationary engineer, you know, plumbers, all of the building trades, you can never go wrong, never go wrong. And then on top of that, you have our tooling trades.
0: And would you say it's it's best to get into that right out of, out of high school or while you're in high school?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> if there's any academias on here, um, the academias would uh, be upset with me uh, for saying this, but I think it's a waste of people's parents' money to send them to college to get into a trade. So they would go to college, you know, take some course in college, Um, And then go out and try and find a job. I think the best opportunity is to get them into a trade, find Mm -hmm. an employer, have them sign them up as an apprentice, go through the process that way. Um, And I know that, you know, um, we want to fill our trade schools and put people in there. But just think about it. You go into a trade school. Let's just say you take electronic techniques class. You spend two years in college. Um, that you didn't have to spend that that two years. If you could find an employer that is in that field, start working there. You know whether maybe you're only sh- you're sweeping the shop, floor to start, and they get you involved and get you more involved. They sign you and indenture you as an apprentice. Then you go to trade school, and then you come out and you work, and until you become, you know, you write your certificate of of um, qualification, and and then you know you become a, a journey person. That's the process. Tina, Tina, it, is, it has been a very slow process getting into trade school with this COVID. Yes, Tina, uh, that is that is a problem. Um, the, I know they have been uh, behind, um, and, and it really is hands-on, right? Um, uh, so some of our uh, classes, you know, if you're in first year, second year, or even third year, going to school uh, puts people behind. And what would happen if they were still working, uh, they would still get all their hours. They'd have all their hours done for their apprenticeship, but they wouldn't have all their schooling done and they have to have the schooling done in order to move forward with it. So mm-hmm. no,
0: I, I, I appreciate the, the honesty there and uh, yeah, like it, it makes sense not having to, to go through, through a, a college or another type of institution when you, when you can just go straight to an apprenticeship and, and really skip um, any of that debt as well. So um, no, great, great perspective. Um, I, I know you're pressed for time here cuz you do have a busy day tomorrow ahead of you. Uh one final comment here is from uh, Gary Vandenbosch. Dave, you're a great person. Cheers from Winnipeg.
1: Ah uh, Gary, is uh, my great buddy from Winnipeg. Used to Actually Gary was my vice president um on my uh on the National Skilled Trades Council um out of uh 101R rail and uh cheers Gary. It's 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 good to hear from you my friend. Uh, I haven't seen Gary in in a while I'll catch up with them every once in a while look at this you're out you're all the way f- to to winnipeg here uh Lyndon. it's uh <laughs> it's nice. i'm sure you go i'm sure your show goes all over the place but uh this has been wonderful uh, yeah we have a big busy day tomorrow opening up uh bargaining with caesars but we're ready to go at it awesome well i wish you
0: the uh you know the best of luck with that um you know i i think this was a really great conversation and very authentic and um we you know we didn't Go through. We didn't read through any lines. We just got we cut right to the chase and, and spoke um, about the truth about skilled trades. And uh, I really appreciate your time tonight, Dave.
1: No, thanks, Lyndon, and all the best to you. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing some of your shows. I've, I've, I haven't caught all. Uh, what is it, 71 tonight? 71. Yeah, I haven't caught all 71 of them. But I can tell you the topics are great. You're doing well, and uh, keep up the good work. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks, Dave, and thanks to those on. watching. Brenda, our Flyers, we got to be doing better. (laughs) Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for
0: watching. Have a great night.